coming in. Hey, what's up, Nova Four? Our cosmic generator has been stolen. What? How? What did we think of that? That thing's gotta be worth a fortune. I am Groot. Good question. Yeah, who do you think took it? Perhaps that really big man outside your ship. Is this Pixar or is this... This Hades costume is the stinkiest costume on this brand. <laughs> Babies are often very useless when you need to get things done. Take a puff. Do you fear Big Bong is a sus individual. The red peony has bloomed. Hello and welcome. You're listening to Mouse Madness, a podcast dedicated to bracketing all things Disney. I'm Chris Bowersox. And I'm Kyle Skinner. And we're your hosts for Mouse Madness. Each episode will focus on a single Disney topic, generate a bracket, and debate our way through the madness to figure out who or what is truly the best. Follow us and play along on Twitter at Mouse Madness Pod. Send us an email at mousemadnesspodcast at gmail.com or support us on Patreon by becoming a member of Jerry's gang at patreon.com slash mouse madness. Kyle, uh, we're back. It is it is now the second week in January. Yeah. Um, and we're we're still recapping 2022. Uh, as as everyone kind of went through around Thanksgiving, the Spotify Wrapped came out. And, <laughs> you know, all of our all of our tunes we were listening to in 2022, uh, and you know, we thought, who better than us to go through and and take a look back at all uh, the Disney had to offer in 2022 and figure out what what the best thing was. Yeah, because maybe that will kind of give us a glimpse into what will happen in 2023. What's going to happen this year? Uh, are they going to build off of whatever we crown the best or themed around what we crown the best? Are they going to lean out of it and they're going to introduce something new to us? Who knows? This company proved to us in 2022 that they are unpredictable and that things could change in an instant. Uh, and we're looking back on it and we're deciding kind of what really embodies what Disney was in 2022. And to help us do that, returning once again is our guy, Mike. Mike, welcome back. What's up, guys? Thanks for having me again. What What are your hopes for 2023, Michael? What What do you hope that the company, whether it's you know East Coast Parks related, whether it's movies related, what is like a big 2023 hope for you for this company? I want one thing out of the parks, and I just want Tron to finally <laughs> open at Walt Disney World. <laughs> You're gonna be the that, yeah. You're you're gonna be the man on the ground for us if that ever does happen. Let me tell you, uh, I'm I'm terrified of the choke point that is the Space Mountain gift shop, and then going up to that like Tron Plaza they have. It's going to be a nightmare. Um, but if Seven Dwarfs Mine Train has taught us anything, that ride is going to get slammed. It, absolutely and especially with how anticipated it's been right like people yeah. have been seeing this thing yeah. be built for years now yep. and uh it's it's going to be a fight to the death to be one of the first to get on especially with all these blogs that have been talking crap about it the entire time so i can't even imagine the hype that it's gonna garner and, and for good reason maybe we're gonna see a little something similar on the west coast and finally get the gas guzzling autopia out of our tomorrow land who knows uh, but Mike, excited to have you back. I hope you get that Tron cycle this year. Uh, I, I really do. East Coast could could use that over in their Tomorrowland and, and make an example out of what it could be. Um, Chris, before we dive in to this mm. Elite Eight and crown mm. that 2022 winner, we've got to talk Spoonful of Sugar 
Mm-hmm. Uh, what you got? I hope y'all will indulge me in uh, some story time. Please. Real quick. I got a story about my spoonful of sugar today. Um, alcohol. Uh, alcohol, alcohol gets tough <laughs> and it feels like it's only getting tougher, yeah. you know? And, and we went to a San Jose Sharks game a few weeks ago. I literally had one beer at dinner and I had one, uh, cut water margarita at the game for two days. <laughs> oh, I was very man. low. I was very low functioning, <laughs> man. Uh, and Something someone said to me, uh, I, I will not identify them, uh, but they said, you know what? I've been, you know, leaning towards like the THC products uh, because there's no hangover. Yeah. Uh, and in my relationship with THC over the years has been uh, up and down. It's had highs and lows for sure. Um, but I got a, I got a, like a mailer late recently from like a place in Martinez, California that just opened up. Uh, we live in California where like cannabis products are, are legal to buy for recreational use. Uh, and so I was like, hmm, maybe I can find some like small, small dose product that, that I can kind of drink, uh, socially. And, and I found one. Oh. Um, and, and so I chose to, uh, to indulge myself while watching the original Willow. Um, <laughs> here we go. <laughs> here we go. <laughs> and the new will, like a, a Willow reboot came out in 2023 and I was like, Hey, I, don't, I haven't seen the original one. So, you know, I love the fantasy genre, anything with like wizards and fairies and dwarves. Like I love knights. Like I love that stuff. Uh, so I was like, yeah, maybe I'll, you know, drink this drink and, uh, maybe feel something. Uh, didn't really feel anything. It's a super low dose, but uh, Willow was not very good. It was like mm. the, uh, it was a lot like Black Cauldron where it, it like was not so bad. It was good. It was just like not very good. Uh, <laughs> right. So I was a little disappointed, but I thought Warwick Davis did a great job. Anyways, uh, the drink that I chose to accompany me uh, is the one I'm drinking today. It's from Kikoko. Uh, and Kikoko is an Emeryville based women owned company of some kind. Uh, it's a tea. It's called a uh, sensuality. Uh, and the ta- <laughs> and the tagline for this product is passion and play. Uh, and so <laughs> the, this is like, has to be the worst ever culprit of like a marketing scam ever. Oh. Like there's, there's nothing in here that, that makes this a sensuality product. Sure. I mean, this is like, it says something about like, THC being uh, aphrodisiac or something, uh, which is, I don't know where that came from. I, like I said, <laughs> I watched Willow after drinking this tea uh, and did not have any sort of urges uh, or <laughs> thoughts that, you know, that, that I nor- wouldn't already normally have when watching Willow. But uh, <laughs> uh, at the end of like what, what it, what it eventually is at the end of the day is a super actually good tasting tea. Uh, it's a hibiscus rose tea uh, and hibiscus is like a sour tea. So yeah. like, Perfect for my uh, particular f- like flavor preference. Uh, super delicious. Shout out to an Emeryville company. Uh, and I'm drinking it out of my uh, cat dad mug that hey. one of my coworkers brought me. 2022 uh, saw me become a father, uh, yep. a, ca- a cat father. Uh, and so that's, that's my spoonful of sugar. Uh, many different facets of it, but uh, it's a good one. It's a good one. Uh, Kyle, what do you got? Uh, two things about me. Number one, I also have a cat dad mug, uh, and I should have also used that one for this, for this uh, spoonful of sugar. And, and number two, I'm a drink. 
Uh, I'm not shying away from it. I, <laughs> I continue to drink. And I'm, I'm starting off this year strong. We had our champagne toast last time. And I'm coming at us with a palm punch this time around. Mm. What I've done here is uh, Chris was nice enough for my birthday to get me a bottle of rum that was this like shrunken head rum. It was an aged rum, not spiced. So it's a little bit more on the harsher side, but makes great for mixing into sweeter drinks. And so I've created kind of a punch around it. And I'm sure that this, I think I've done something similar to this on this podcast before, probably at the beginning of the winter season, but I added a little bit something different to this one. So what I did was I had a, a ounce and a half of the aged rum that Chris got me. I had half an ounce of the uh, sherry rum that I got at my Thai day back <laughs> in 2022. Uh, I used about an ounce of lime juice, a whole bunch of pomegranate juice. I, I don't know the measurement, just enough to make it like a dark, thick purple. And then I topped it off with probably about an ounce and a half of ginger ale. And I went ahead and just mixed all of it together in a, in a, in a mixing cup, poured it in over ice into this glass here. And it, it's delicious. I mean, partially it's the sherry rum with that kind of sherry cut through it with the citrus. Uh, the pomegranate makes it so that it's not super tart, adds a bit of sweetness to it. If I were to do it again, I'd probably add like a quarter of an ounce of simple syrup into it to really bring out that sweetness and not make it so harsh. Uh, but this is great. Uh, highly recommend for all of my rum drinkers out there. Uh, I will never drop the recipes because I always forget to, but keep a watchful ear out and you'll know the recipe right there. Uh, Michael, what you're drinking this time around? So just like, you know, the cliche new year, new me going with a little healthier option, alcohol free this time. So I'm doing a very green juice smoothie from Trader Joe's. <laughs> oh baby. Oh, Leaning all the way into healthy. it. Wow. I've actually been drinking these for a while and I love them. Just oh. super refreshing. Hey, nice. I like what it. are the uh, what are the green ingredients in there? Hit me with them. What we got? A little little sweet grass. So we got a flavored blend of banana, mango, kiwi purees with apple and pineapple juice, green foods, and other added ingredients. <laughs> so kiwi. <laughs> so ki- kiwi's the green. <laughs> okay, here's the greens. We got spirulina, morella, mm. mm. broccoli, ginger, blue green algae, a little bit of garlic. Parsley, spinach, and barley grass. The algae. You go ahead and enjoy that. <laughs> Guys drinking mold over here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. All right. Well, now that we have our drinks in hand of various degrees of alcohol or any sort of substance, let's talk <laughs> about how we got here in the Elite Eight. We had a demographic choose our round of 16. It was people that were already buying 2023 merch at the Disneyland Resort back in 2022. Uh, We had a few that missed the dance and it brought us to the 16 that wasn't very contentious. Chris and I kind of agreed all the way through. Mike didn't have to do a ton of work. And it left us with a little bit of this. The number 16, the closure of Toontown at Disneyland is going to go up against the number eight. Black Panther Wakanda Forever film. Down the bracket, the number 13 Moon Knight Disney Plus series is going to go up against the number five Disneyland Paris's 30th anniversary celebration. 
Across the brackets, number two, Andor, the Star Wars series, versus the number seven, Pixar's Turning Red, and rounding out that Elite Eight. It's going to be the number three, Cosmic Guardians of the Galaxy, Cosmic Rewind over at Epcot, versus the number six, Star Wars Galactic Star Cruiser. A couple of little galaxy matchups there. Uh, Chris, you went first last time. I think that I'll dive in here first this time around. Number 16, Closure of Toontown. Versus number eight, Wakanda Forever. Chris, now that you've watched Wakanda Forever and we recorded our Yoda's Jerry's Gang uh, episode before we did our, before you watched Wakanda Forever, Angela Bassett in the throne room speaking on grief, yelling at the camera. What do you think about her monologue? Really good. Yeah. yeah. And, and I think Angela Bassett in general, what, anytime she was on screen in this movie, uh, she just seemed like a league of her own uh, as an actor. Yeah. Uh, r- r- really, yeah, that one moment was really great for her, but I think it was just a small part of a great performance and one that kind of really showed what you keep talking about, that depiction of grief and like how people process grief. And while the movie primarily focuses on Shuri's uh, kind of grief journey, the other characters uh, that had previously been around T'Challa really, really, really uh, awesome to kind of see how each of them uh, dealt with it. Uh, and, and I think the, the one scene in particular that stands out for me, uh, even more so than the throne scene was the campfire scene towards the beginning of the movie, yeah. uh, when she sits down with Shuri and they both kind of just take a moment to compare notes on, on how they're feeling. And that's the kind of stuff that Marvel movies overlook and, and things that are so important because it makes all those action scenes so worth it. You know, totally. And I think that like lack of runway that you kind of talked about last episode with Ryan Coogler not being able to really tell the stories that he may want to with the MCU. These are the moments in which he is able to. Uh, yeah. He's it, the kind of slow down. Let's talk about life in this film about death is so important to the rest of Black Panther's journey, really. Like, this is never going to leave Shuri. Like, she's not going to ever forget, like, the impact that her brother had, especially because we see uh, in the end credits that T'Challa is kind of going to live on a little bit. Um, and so it's it was just such a nice departure from the literal madness that this phase of the MCU has given us to remember the human qualities. And C- Queen Ramonda, like she just represented that like what do you do when the thing that mattered most to you in life is gone and you're still expected to lead the way and how do you balance that and how do you pass on the knowledge of your past to help inform the future and that campfire scene is what kind of sparked that they're sitting down and queen ramanda's like Here's how we deal with grief. Here's how we mourn the lost. And Shuri's like, I don't want to, though. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's not how I process it. Like, yeah. burning this stuff doesn't bring Tatala back. It doesn't bring his memory back. It doesn't make me any stronger. And later, she recognizes what that really meant. And it's how can you process grief and mourning in a way that is symbolic to you? 
And she's able to do that towards the end of the film and recognize that that's just how her mother and her ancestors have dealt with it. So like this, we're talking about a superhero movie and like we're dealing with these themes that are so relatable to us. And like maybe that doesn't feel very MCU because recently MCU has just been a cacophony of chaos. But really, when it gets down to like what Disney wants to enter in what Disney wants to inject into the MCU is their ability to storytell or at least put people into of power into positions to storytell. And I think that's where Black Panther is going to be able to excel if Ryan Coogler stays on with these franchises, is injecting some of that storytelling. So Wakanda Forever for me was just such, such a great film. I think that there were some parts of Wakanda Forever that felt very like Marvel told us we need to do this, so we're going to do this. Yes. Uh, and that was really unfortunate. Ironheart, her entire involvement in this film felt so unfortunately forced that she was once the, f- the entire focus of the film. We need to protect X from Y because if we don't, Z will happen. But then she kind of was just like hands off for the rest of the film, right? They gave her a bunch of punchlines to say, and then that was about it. And that's really unfortunate for the introduction of a character who I think is going to play such a big role, especially with the America Chavez's, the the Kamala's and, and the Marvel's. Like, There's this new crop of heroes that are rising up that have gotten full series, that have gotten full backstories. And yet Ironheart is here kind of being like, well, I'm a, a kid genius and I relate to the urban youth and I'm going to spit some lines that are sometimes funny, sometimes don't land. And then all of a sudden, I'm going to have a suit. It's like we needed more. Well, well, well I got news for you. <laughs> well, got, I got good news for you. <laughs> yes. And I know a series is coming, but like for such an important film right like it, uh-huh. it, this was a great jumping off point for her and i don't think that we got the appropriate jumping off point but and, and at the same time it it took away from the black panther stuff as well so it's like you know this isn't doing either characters justice when we try and just make it uh a teaser or like uh you know give people a little bit of a cookie crumb appetizer for the disney plus show well if you didn't get enough of her get ready because in 2023 ironheart the series yes absolutely thousand percent and that's unfortunate she was used as like an advertising vehicle on this film that was supposed to be so much more than that Uh, and so that i really didn't like about this film Uh, i like the development of all the other side characters that we've known to love Uh, i love that we have we see some loss of power with the uh, like the head general who has to kind of like weigh whether or not she wants to keep her professional status or stand up for what she believes in and uh koye yeah koye yeah. yeah uh it's it's good it's good a great film a great superhero film uh i wish that it was a koye that was black panther not sherry but here we are <laughs> Uh, closure of Toontown, Chris, you did a great job of kind of recapping it. I want to talk slightly about some of the things that are definitely coming to this land in 2023. Um, Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway, by the time you're listening to this, is probably about 10 days from opening. 
Uh, so folks that on the West Coast is going to be able to ride that ride before the entirety of Toontown is open. But as you said, Centennial Park is going to be at the entrance of this area and it's going to involve this big fake climbable playable tree that they are naming the Dreaming Tree. And if there's one thing I hate about Disney storytelling in this era of Disney is that they still have to somehow shoehorn these fake false Walt Disney stories into everything they do. If you read like the description of like, we're going to put up this dreaming tree that in Centennial Park where kids and parents alike can play. It's like the dreaming tree is based upon the, the tree that Walt Disney used to lay under during his time in Missouri and, and daydream all of the things that he would do. Shut, shut up. No, I don't want. No, it's just, Walt Disney was a human that existed. All of these stories of Walt, he's done all of these things. He's had all of these thoughts. It feels like at this point, no human could ever do all of those things, say all of those things, think all of those things in the short lifespan that he had. We're just here like cranking out fake things now. And so I hate that that's how they're connecting it. Just say that you're putting in a green space, dude. In in Game of Thrones, uh, Bran Stark uh, can touch a weirwood tree and he can see like everything the weirwood tree has seen in the past. And I'm just picturing like a parent <laughs> laying down under the tree and then like getting like mentally transported into like Walt's memory and being able to like see everything he's ever seen. You touch it and you're like, Walt hated Jews. Walt hated Jews. Walt hated Jews. Uh, I'm just so tired of the like shoehorning of Walt as this like idol and this demigod into this stuff. He's an important creative innovator that did something that people didn't do and like yes all the accolades but like down to this tree miss me with it miss me with it this is toontown toontown at its origin was supposed to be the place that these cartoons lived that was like uncovered they're like toontown exists now and we're oh we they're finally letting humans into their toon world here it opens in 1993 and now here we are like walt had a tree there (laughs) shut up so hate that. That's into We all know fight. Michael Eisner was just trying to cash in on Roger Rabbit. Okay. <laughs> There's going to be a manhole cover that like rattles and it's just Michael Eisner's voice under it. Like <laughs> him trying to pop back out into Dune Down. <laughs> Centennial Park will also have a fountain that is this like sensory like play fountain. So uh, the fountain that exists currently, you're able to like step on things and like sounds would happen. I think we're going to get a little bit of that just now, not in front of Mickey's house. Uh, we haven't we haven't seen what Toontown's going to be. It's really like they closed to say we're doing it, but what that's going, what that it is, we're not going to know until this year. So it feels like Wakanda forever. This highly anticipated next step after Chadwick Boseman has to kind of be that better thing of 2022. Yeah, I 100% uh, agree with that. I want to talk a little bit more about Wakanda. I, I, uh, How I'm it all takes a, place on an eight by eight stage, <laughs> and we don't get to exist past that little riverfront. <laughs> uh, we'll get there. We'll get there. Um, but 
yeah, like you said, it's it's a pretty obvious choice here. The, the Toontown Town thing hasn't really come to fruition quite yet, so uh, it's just kind of a default for me here. I do want to just give a special uh, eulogy to to Goofy's Bounce House. Um, my my parents, I was very lucky. Uh, I did not have helicopter parents. I was given a lot of freedom to make a lot of mistakes. Um, and you and Mandy running but, around Tom Sawyer but, or Toontown, <laughs> but the one area that my parents were helicopters was anytime there was any kind of playground type structure or trampoline type structure, it was a guaranteed concussion waiting to happen. So, uh, it was okay. You can go in there, but do not jump too high. Make sure you're not jumping too close to any other kids. No double bouncies. Uh, <laughs> and so it just, it was a death trap in my head, uh, for all those years. So yeah, what kind of forever moving on, uh, Michael, do you agree with us there? Yeah. hundred percent. All right. Next matchup. Number 13, Moon Knight versus number five, Disneyland Paris's 30th anniversary celebration. Uh, I talked a little, a lot about Moon Knight. I kind of got out everything I needed to say about it in the last episode. Really great performance by Oscar Isaac. Mm-hmm. Uh, really great job kind of navigating multiple like mental worlds. A uh, very dynamic show, very edge of your seat. If you're into that kind of thing, I am not into that kind of thing. It's a show that constantly has you guessing. I don't like that. I like <laughs> to know exactly what's going on. Uh, and so it was a little bit too seat of your pants for me. Um, but I did really like, um, the, like I said, the performance and I think the character Moon Knight, I think will be a great like ensemble Marvel character in future ensemble movies, uh, in a, in a similar way that like, I think Dr. Strange doesn't work extremely well as like a leading hero. He's great in a group because he offers ah. something so different from everybody else. I see that for moon Knight in the future where you get him at a table of people who are planning some type of assault who knows what Moon Knight's going to come up with? Who know? Who knows what input he's going to provide? I cannot yep. wait for that. So yep. uh, while the show was just okay for me, um, I like that. I like that Moon Knight is with us now. Uh, and obviously, the costume is badass. Dude. <laughs> costume so badass. Um, Disneyland Paris is thirtieth. You talked a lot about uh, the show. D. D- Delight. Delight is their nighttime show, and their daytime Disney show is some Delight. sort of like their yeah, day, their daytime show is called Dream and Shine Brighter. Dream dot 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 and shine brighter. <laughs> so so here here's kind of a rundown of the offerings at uh, Disneyland Paris's thirtieth. Obviously, you mentioned the incredible logo. We've got the nighttime show Disney Delight. We've got the daytime show Dream and Shine Brighter. Uh, these this is the official like officially what's on the website shiny new costumes mickey yeah. Minnie, donald daisy can't wait to celebrate our anniversary with you dot 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 and to show you their dazzling new outfit <laughs> uh okay this is my favorite one feel a unique magic in the air enjoy the one-of-a-kind 30th anniversary festive aura Ooh. Who knows what that what means? Is that? <laughs> festive aura. Uh the gardens of wonder, which is just some kind of like displays, like random displays. Uh exclusive 30th anniversary souvenirs. Tuck which into, were great. Tuck into exclusive treats. 
Mm. And then uh, at the bottom of the page is calling all recruits. Avengers Campus is now open. Nah. Uh, I don't really know what's there. I would imagine it's web slingers and that's it. They, they have do, a, or do they uh, have that rock and roller coaster there? It's like the Iron Man. Yes. Too? Yes. That's right. Yeah, exactly. I've, I've been to this park. How do I not know this? <laughs> yeah, their Avengers Campus opened up at the same time. I believe that they were running the um, the Disney Delight because they used a lot of the drones from it to uh, open up Avengers Campus. So yeah. yeah, that makes sense that they're trying to attach it to the celebration. Yeah, I mean, when you add all this stuff up, it definitely falls somewhere in between Walt Disney World 50th and Disneyland 50th. Uh, I mm-hmm. think Disneyland 50th is always going to be the gold standard <laughs> uh, for 50th for, you know, these anniversary things. But I mean, this is a 30th anniversary. So, you know, it's, you know, they're not pulling out all the stops necessarily. Uh, the drones are cool. Um, but I'm not going to lie. I feel like the show was super weird. Uh, and there was like a, in, there was like a little like, pause for like okay, I was five hoping. minutes in the middle and i was like is it over like and then someone comes on is like oh ladies and gentlemen oh thank you oh. for enjoying disney delight don't go anywhere because the show will be back soon <laughs> we've got to like, like, warm what? it back up for about eight minutes here so go ahead and enjoy the the random sounds of main street as we do so super weird uh there was an original song which just like momentous kind of eh and it was and, also the same song from the day parade it's the same oh, same oh okay so i'll get to the day parade in a second but um the projection on the castle really cool but it didn't feel like it was telling any kind of story. Uh, it felt a lot like the Epcot show that's going on right now where really cool lighting, really cool effects, but it's not, it doesn't have the same kind of like impact as a true nighttime spectacular. And I don't, I don't know enough about Disneyland Paris to know if like this is the nighttime show or if it's just like a nighttime show. Right. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Uh, dude, dream and shine brighter. Dude. Dude, what a we we've said time and time again how much fun we had doing the parade bracket and how that was like top tier most fun to like do talk about watch. So when I heard that, hey, Kyle, you get to watch another parade from a park that you've never been to. I was like, yes, finally, (laughs) we're back on our parade stuff. And then dream dot, dot, dot in shine brighter happened. And let me tell you, there's not, there's never been more awkward dancing than in this show. The thing is that it was breakneck pace all 20 (laughs) minutes. There was no, there was no, there was no like, okay, let's like transition into like a different sort of uh, style or like let's kind of give everyone a break for a second and do uh, like an interlude. It was just like boom, 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 mm, hit, mm, hit, hit, mm, boom, mm. boom, hit, hit, hit. The only was, thing that crazy. like broke it up was the, so the, the, the characters would parade down on these floats. They'd get to the stage in front of the castle, multiple stages really it felt like, and then they'd dance for a bit. 
And then the only thing that really felt like it broke up the show was the uh, the switching of the characters right, from right, the right. stages. <laughs> it's and like that- Mad Hatter's going to tap in for Genie because the costume was too hot and he can only dance for 30 seconds. Exactly. And that that's... I, I tracked every song that was done in this show. Oh, I wrote them all God. down. You ready for this? And yes. this is the only breakdown of dream dot 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 and shine brighter day parade was the the chaotic music and dances that cued something else is happening so i named them three different categories zany love adventure and the zany portion of the show you had friend like me which transitioned into a mashup with under the sea which transitioned into a mashup of unbirthday song give a little whistle can't wait to be king. Topsy Turvy. Hello, Hunchback. Welcome back. Uh, and then be our guest is how it kind of ended. Yeah. Then you entered the love, which was uh, my proud cortisone from Coco. You've got a friend in me. Remember me. Almost there from uh, Tiana. Then you get into the adventure and that's where almost there kind of transitions into it, which is Try anything from Zootopia, in which you had uh, uh, Nick dancing in his mm. <laughs> costume for as long as mm. he could. Uh, how far I'll go. A dream is a wish your heart makes. You can fly, go the distance. I've got a dream from Tangle, deep cut. Go ahead. We haven't had that in a show for a long time. And then it all ends with When You Wish Upon a Star, back to the original hook, and they all get on their floats and go away. Uh, well, <laughs> let me just go ahead and issue an edit there. Um, I, I've got a dream is in um, the Magic Kingdom parade uh, right now. So right, still deep cut. We don't we don't see it often. Yeah, okay. It's not a whole new world out here. Um, but uh, the thing that kills this parade for me is the floats. Like Bro. it is like the lowest effort Disney has ever put into a float. It was like it, it's like the the wrap they put on the float when they want to throw it out there for like a generic appearance. And they're like, Oh yeah, sure. This is, this is suitable. <laughs> um, I mean, at the end of the day, I have to at least give Disneyland Paris credit for trying to attack this 30th anniversary from every direction you really can. Yes. You've got, you've got daytime show, nighttime show, merch, uh, like photo op experiences around the park, uh, food, and some something opened up in terms of like attraction. Uh, there yep. was an addition to the park. So it's all there. You can make an argument that like, is it good or not? I don't know, but it's all there. And so for that reason, I think I'm going to advance the 30th here. Uh, Moon Knight, good, not great. Disney 30th also good not great but I got I got to love the uh, the hustle from DLP. <laughs> uh Moon Knight for me was I I'm the mystery guy. I'm the true crime guy. I'm the one that loves to be kind of uh led along and try and figure out as this thing goes and that's what Moon Knight was for me. Was trying to understand, especially as like a Marvel guy that's never heard of Moon or a non-Marvel guy that's never heard of Moon Knight, trying to understand exactly what's happening. And that first episode just hooks you in. Like you get dropped into the scenario 
in which Steven is like tied up to his own bed. And you're like, what is what is happening? There's sand all around and we're focusing on a fish tank and he works at a museum. Like all of this stuff is just so bizarre. And it just kept me so intrigued and wanting to learn more, especially with Oscar Isaac, who is such a phenomenal actor. And I didn't watch Dune. Uh, but I definitely watched the Star Wars films and like him in that very serious role. He does such a great job as Poe. But then to see him in this like, let's see everything you can do. And he does everything and he does it so, so well. I just loved it a lot. I love the introduction of of the new characters without kind of transporting us to places that we may not ever see again. And I think that's where kind of Miss Marvel is not as good as Moon Knight is that it kind of took us to too many places. Hmm. And Moon Knight really took us to kind of a couple of places that all tied back together. And it's great. We're in a place of the world that the MCU hasn't been since really like them attempting to do Iron Man uh, and, and making it like this awful place. As opposed to like Miss Marvel and then Moon Knight with Egypt, in which we are kind of saying, hey, like these other countries aren't just brown people being bad. <laughs> like there's a lot of great history and things to learn from it. And I I enjoyed that a ton. I also really liked that like at the very end it ends with this cliffhanger in which it's not like, and here's Shang-Chi. <laughs> or and here is this other MCU person that you know. It's like here's yet another personality. Here's yet another person that we're going to have to try and learn in the Moon Knight universe without muddying it up with the MCU films. And I'm with you Chris. Like I'm so excited to see where he shows up. And like to me it feels like he's going to show up, fuck shit up and then dip Right. Like it, it feels like he's just going to do the job and be like, I don't have time for you, Captain Marvel, Miss She-Hulk. I don't have time for you. I, I, I'm here to help and I'm gone. I could see him playing kind of the like Star-Lord role in a big moment. And like the, 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 the Avengers are about to do the thing. But Steven slash Mark slash Jake ruined it. Right. Thousand percent. I love an anniversary celebration. I love it when it's done well. I was obviously, we're both huge fans of Disneyland's 50th. I'm a pretty big fan of Disneyland's 60th. Uh, I observed from afar what happened on the East Coast. Won't say what anniversary it was, but I I watched. Uh, Not great. And this Paris 30th. And what I'll say about the best thing of 2022 is that they've shown that celebrating the company is not necessarily their 2022 objective. That's now the 2023 objective. Uh, Their 2022 objective was how much content can we shit into Disney Plus? And Moon Knight is one of those pieces of content that they put into Disney Plus but it was actually really good. So I think that the best thing that Disney fans can kind of rejoice around is Moon Knight, which means that we are going to go to Michael for a tie break. 
both very compelling arguments there, guys. Um, uh, short and sweet, I'm moving on midnight. I think, uh, I think overall just a really good series. And I think that Disneyland Paris's 30th anniversary did not get quite the hype or publicity that, you know, maybe it deserved. So it, it might be a bit of an underdog here, but just, I'm, I was like you, Kyle, Moon Knight, I'm so excited to see where he pops up again. Like the last note I had on this was it left me wanting another season as soon as possible. Yeah. And we, and we haven't even talked about one of the other great characters in that show, Khonshu. <laughs> the Egyptian, the Egyptian moon god, and his <laughs> drama with like the other Egyptian gods Crazy, that man. plays into everything. It's it's just so it's such a complex show, and the mystery aspect. I, I just love it. Great. Let's move on to this next uh, matchup here. Number two, Andor versus the number seven, Turning Red. I said everything I wanted to say about Turning Red last time. Uh, aside from the, except for. Then mention that I love the soundtrack, and it's not just Four Town. Ludwig Gornson, our boy, dude, dude, I will simp for everything that he does. He did Mandalorian. He did Mm -hmm. all Black Panther, both of them. He does Turning Red. He uh he did Fruitvale Station which is another Ryan Coogler film, if you haven't watched it. It's about, about out here in Oakland and the atrocities that BART police do to folks out here. Uh, like, And Creed. He also does Creed. Yeah. So like Ludwig Gorenson, and if you know anything about like pop music, if you watch the Netflix documentary series about pop music, a lot of everything that we know about pop comes from Sweden. Sorry. And Ludwig is one of the Swedish composers that came out and said, I'm actually do the authentic thing instead of manufacture. He said, I'm going to immerse. And so him and Ryan Coogler were roommates in college, which is why him and and Ryan worked together for every project. And that's how he kind of got introduced to the Star Wars game, yada, yada, yada. So Ludwig doing a Pixar film. It's so good. If you just throw on that score in the background, like, It is just this mix of like 2000s pop with a little bit of a sprinkle of like 2000s 50 cent hip hop onto it with like, it's just so good. So I love the music. I love the themes. I love Four Town a lot. Uh, So it just turning red just really tickles an itch that I've been wanting from Pixar after like film of after film of just them trying to make us cry. We finally got something that was like. I love and I don't love because I cried. I love because I love everyone a part of it. So turning red, I still am so high on. Andor, I I want to preface with the fact that I'm uh obviously I'm not a, the biggest Star Wars guy. I don't lie. But yeah, I know uh characters and i can tell you that babu <laughs> frick didn't show up during andor so mm, hey but we got the, we got dr four arms though and uh he's just about as good true very true uh dr Forearms, who uh, couldn't do much <laughs> but andor is just such a great i feel like 
one of those like what's going on uh, series that you didn't like about Moon Knight to me and maybe because I'm not as in in tune with Star Wars Mm. but I'm out here being like where is the connecting thread I understand that like all of these storylines because there's like three or four especially in the first few episodes that are feeding into one central theme that there's a rebellion happening but how and why do we care about the characters that we are focused so much on? And so trying to like solve that puzzle along the way was really fun for me because I love trying to do that. Did I solve it? No. <laughs> like they they exposed a lot of things that I did not quite understand. A lot of rewatching, a lot of captions, a lot of trying to figure it out. Uh, but what I just really enjoyed was that they leaned so heavily into the fact that None of this is a one-person thing. Andor is not about Andor. Mm-hmm. Andor is about Andor's involvement in the overall rebellion. And yes, he's the centerpiece of the story because the, every thread kind of leads back to him. But in the conclusion of it, you find that it's ultimately not. <laughs> like Things continue on without him. And I love that. I love that it's not like, oh, when's Andor season two coming? It's like, no, this is a through line of what Star Wars represents, which is many battles, many strategies, many complications across many galaxies, across many planets, all trying to attempt the same thing. And wires are going to get crossed, baby. They're going to get so crossed. And episode 11 and 12 show just how crossed those wires may get. Uh, And I just, I think it's just so smart, especially after all of the Star Wars stuff that we have been getting. Listen, Mandalorian, I love season one because that Western theme, I love it so much, so much. But one thing that I had to complain about it was, we're just with Mando for two episodes on a side quest, and then we find another side quest, and then we find another side quest, and it was very repetitive. But here we are with Andor. Once you get to episode six, you finish the first thing that opened up an entire new realm of other things. And that's what, that's what Star Wars is. <laughs> like, There's no end. It's just a continuation of opening doors. You don't outlive the war. You live through your era of it. And that's mm-hmm. what it represents. And I love that. Huh. In the end of like, what is the most 2022 thing? This is really interesting because Turning Red is so 2022 and that it was released to Disney Plus. Selected theaters, if you happen to be lucky like me. But it was like a Disney Plus Pixar thing, which is very 2022. Very 2020s of Disney to do. And then you have this lean in to... Uh, Star Wars, which they've been doing series after series on. So this feels very fair in the best Disney thing matchup. And I'm going to stick true to my guns, pun unintended, which is turning red. I'm sticking with number seven seed. I think the thing that I've enjoyed most about Andor is that it feels so different from specifically a lot of these kind of like uh, Star Wars prequel, if you want to call it, and or kind of a prequel sure. that's taking place before something we already know. So many of these projects 
I will point to Han Solo, the, the film Solo specifically. So many of these have been like, okay, how did how did Han Solo <laughs> get from A to B? Because right. we met him, we met him at B, but how did he get to B? And it's like, you know, Andor was one of the main characters of Rogue One, and so you know, when this show came out, I was like, oh, this show's going to be about how Andor became involved with the rebellion. And like, yeah, that is what the show's about. But the thing that's keeping me watching the show isn't the the roller coaster and the winding plot that is getting me to, from point A to point B. It's all of that stuff you're talking about. You know, it's it's the 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 wide view that this show is taking and I'm tuning in to every episode, not because I want to know what happens next, but because I want to hear more of what these characters have to say. Bro, and so perfect it's example, like, huh? Storyline: the senator, Mon, Mon Mothma. Her, her entire thread is so good because all we're doing is sitting on a couch and talking about she's, it. She's she's like this is the part of the political intrigue I was talking about in the last episode. Like you have. The IBS, I know they're called the ISB in the show, but I'm going to call them the <laughs> IBS because it's funny. Uh, you know, they're sitting around this table and and the woman is getting jammed up by her boss. You know, like that stuff's really good. Uh, but yeah, it's it's kind of, um, you know, paralleled with, with Mon Mothma. You know, this, this, these big events are happening just conversationally, you know? And so some great kind of talking scenes that I think about are the dude having breakfast with his mom, you know, and saying, mom, shut up. Yeah. Stop getting all up in my face about this job interview. You know, like yeah. that is a scene that can take place in any kind of media product. Like it doesn't have to be a star Wars thing. Uh, or when Andor shows up at that like rebel campsite on I can't remember uh, what the planet's Adon- called. Adani? Uh, <laughs> a, sure. Something like um, that. Yeah. Uh, Amalfi. And like <laughs> the guy, I think his name's Skeen. He has tattoos. Yeah. And yeah. like, and like Cassian's kind of like, I know what that tattoo is. I know what that tattoo is. And they're kind of like sizing each other up a little bit, you know, and they're kind of revealing what each other are about. And that character doesn't end up going anywhere in the series, but it's like, uh, it reveals a little bit about the world that, that they're living in. And like, that has always been the selling point of star Wars. This is a cool, this is a cool universe. It's like, um, though the wizarding world, you know, people don't watch Harry Potter necessarily because they love Harry. Yeah. He's like a pretty kind of prototypical hero, but people are so um, inspired by the wizarding world and it's the same with Star Wars. And so I love that this show focuses on that. Yeah. Something that I mentioned in the Yodas was that the beauty is in the details uh, Mm. and that shines through in Andor. Mm. Disney as a company, their whole thing is the details. They paint the amusement park every single night when it closes <laughs> because they're so obsessed with details. You know, look at the, look at the names of the people in the window. There's a story behind that. Like it's all about the details. And so many of these star Wars things have just completely shot past these details without even stopping to, to talk about them or look at them. And the two scenes I you know, that, that stick out to me are 
the guy in the on um Ferrix who's who he like bangs this like xylophone yeah. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. is the work bell. Yeah, anvil. Yeah, and it's like a 30 second scene where it kind of shows him getting ready to hit the thing and it's like you know, like very he's very methodically kind of hitting it to the rhythm pointless completely well, pointless to the story but like well get ready makes, for your next two episodes <laughs> okay this is this are you telling me this guy's gonna come back get ready uh, for your next two episodes hey but hey, even if that is the case set up some payoffs this is this is perfect you know Thousand set up percent. Some payoffs. and it's not like he whips out a a, a lightsaber in the next two episodes <laughs> he s- stays true and like him doing what he does is important to the thread of the story so you're you're correct absolutely or the things like the costumes the locations the framing the sets, of the shots they it all feels very real the fe- the world feels very lived in a lot of star wars somehow ended up being this like sanitary sterile pristine shiny world when this is a war torn galaxy uh and andor is just doing such a good job Focusing on those small details of it. I uh, just love it. Can't wait to finish it. Um, turning red like, is, is refreshing in its own right, though, because so much of the Disney landscape is this kind of derived stuff. And like here we have a classic Disney story coming of age, a girl and her family navigating tradition. Like this is, this is, uh, you know, what we need and what I think we will always need from Disney. So it's really a tough call. I think I'm just going to go with my, my appreciation for the star Wars component and the fact that the conversation around this show in particular has been so positive. Uh, And I don't know a lot of people that would say like, Oh, I didn't really like that. It's just been so good for Disney plus so good for star Wars going with Andor, Michael, you got a tough tie break here. This is a tough one. Um, I'm a Star Wars guy, so it's it's Andor for me. Um, tur- Turning Red has so many great elements to it. Made great points, Kyle. And but yeah, there's there's a lot more that I could talk about Andor, but we'll save it for now. Sure. All right. Next matchup, number three seed, Guardians of Ga- Guardians of the Galaxy Cosmic Rewind, the roller coaster at Epcot versus number six, the Star Wars Galactic Star Cruiser. Um, Galactic Star Cruiser, you broke it down last time, Kyle, uh, premium hotel experience. Uh, you're locked into a hotel for at least two nights where you have <laughs> access to Star Wars themed food, Star Wars themed beverages. Yeah. Uh, you're interacting with Star Wars actors. You are in your own Star Wars story. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this, this was the original vision for Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. It was supposed to be this immersive experience where hopefully you go there and you buy the robes and you uh, exchange your real money for like, Batu credits. And, yeah. Um, so a lot of this star cruiser thing feels like um, a mad scientist idea. <laughs> but at the same time, it's like this was always the goal was to right. get to this level where you are taking themed entertainment to the next level. Yeah. And and I'm sorry it's so expensive. But that's the cost I, of immersion I, for them I guess right so. I guess so. It's like we can't be i think people are afraid of going so big and making it so expensive is the only way to justify 
allocating so many resources into it. Uh, I would love to experience it. When I was a little kid, we used to go to the Star Trek experience at Las Vegas Hilton. And it was like my own alternate Disneyland. Uh, going in there and feeling like you were on the deck on the Starship Enterprise, walking around the gift shop, seeing people dressed as Star Trek characters walk past you. Just so cool. Like, I cannot imagine being able to do this. I would love to yeah. have enough money to do it one day. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. Um, it's got a bad rap. I think universally everyone's like, oh yeah, this thing was a bust. This thing was a failure. I'm holding out hope that they can at least like tweak it in some way. Mm -hmm. uh, instead of like you're captive on this ship for four days and you can't <laughs> leave, making it kind of like, okay, you can come in and out. Um, you can come in. I, I think that the public should be allowed to come in. Just like right. any other hotel, they should be able to come into the lobby, have a drink at the bar, have some dinner, like interact with the characters. Maybe there's some like other more exclusive, like guest only areas, just like in a normal hotel. But like, you can't just like, it, it can't be a total mystery. People can't just be like, oh, don't really know what it's going to be like. I guess I'll just drop four G's right now for two people. <laughs> right. uh, so would love to have them make some adjustments. I think it's necessary uh, to, to keep the, the concept alive. I'm giving the dub here to Cosmic Rewind, obviously. Uh, this is uh, an incredible attraction. It's one of those ones that, for all of the hassles that Disney puts you through these days to get on its e-ticket attractions, it's one that feels worth it to mm. me uh, for several reasons. Uh, the queue experience is incredible. There are little like exhibits, the whole... Uh, concept is that you are you are at attending this like Xandar ex exhibition like they've come down to Epcot and they've created their own pavilion and you're going in and you're checking out like the displays and the exhibits and you're listening to Glenn Close talk about the planet uh, <laughs> and, it, and it's and it's done in a way that frankly only Disney can do yeah you've, you've got a pre-show that it, it it's hard to imagine every time you do a Disney pre-show, it's hard to imagine them improving on the last one. And they somehow they continue to do it and cosmic rewind. It's insane. Uh, the ride itself, incredible, great ride, unique ride. Uh, perhaps most importantly, I ride a lot of roller coasters. I, I would consider myself a roller coaster fan. Mm -hmm. I think a lot about roller coasters this is, a, this is a roller coaster that has forces that you will not experience on any other roller coaster. <laughs> yeah. um, and, and not in a way that's like, oh, so intense, bro. Like, it's, the G-forces are so crazy, you'll black out. It's like the way that the vehicle is designed and, and has been imagineered, it's like you just, you simply will never be able to ride something that makes you feel the same way, Yeah. Uh, which, is, which is really cool. I can take or leave a lot of the projection stuff. I prefer practical uh, show elements always. Uh, so at times, the attraction can feel kind of like you're in a warehouse. Uh, but uh, as far as a ride experience, it, it's top tier. Uh, it feels like a star uh, star. It feels like a space mountain uh, for 2022. Yeah. I'm glad that uh, it finally opened up by all accounts. It seems like it's not um, 
generating the crowds for Epcot, like uh, Rise of the Resistance is doing at um, Hollywood Studios, which is very interesting. Uh, but I think it's it's worthy of a ride. It, it's one that if someone's going to uh, Disney World, I say you have to get on Cosmic Rewind. Uh, as long as you can handle a roller coaster with some spinning to it, uh, you definitely <laughs> check it out. So I got Cosmic Rewind. Yeah, I I I do too. I don't think I'd ever find myself in a Star Cruiser immersive experience. I think that I love Disney taking that huge swing, and I'm excited Absolutely. to see kind of what they learn from it and what they build upon with it. And I hope that their own pricing out doesn't deter them from trying other things like it in the future. But when it comes to what people can access, uh, Cosmic Rewind for sure. Uh, I do have a question that I will ask on the next matchup for sure about it. Um, But yeah, Cosmic Rewind. Uh, Michael, any uh, qualms with that? Were you going to move on the Star Cruiser here? No qualms at all. It was always Cosmic Rewind. Okay, this feels like a good time to ask the question then. When I was watching the Q walkthrough, you get to a point in which you're brought into this room where you're going to make the um, the like hyper jump or whatever uh, with the, the energy thing on the ceiling. And the thing that I was watching was the camera was just pointed at the like energy orb thing that was going to transport us up out of Earth onto whatever the thing we're supposed to be on was. But at one point, you turn around and Terry Crews is like, you guys are here. And the crowd went, whoa. And I was like, what, 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 what happened? So was there like a a wall that wasn't turned on or like wasn't projected on? And then when the jump happened, the lights turned out and turned back on. You were in a different place. Like, what was that? It would be like, imagine if you were in the Haunted Mansion stretching room, super clumped super tight to everyone else and the, all the walls were just black around you and you were looking up at the the ceiling and then there was a flash of light and all of a sudden you were in the stormtrooper bay on rise of the resistance and you were like how did we go from this <laughs> tiny room into literally the biggest room i've ever been in <laughs> and it's like it's like it feels it feels real dude it feels like you literally just went on a spaceship Oh, God. Uh, Mike, did you have that experience too when you went on it? Chris described it perfectly. Uh, it, every bit of that is exactly how I feel. And you don't expect it. Like, you, it, like you don't see it coming. Mm-hmm. Man, I wish I, I wish I could experience that. One day. One day I'll get out there. But I was and, very confused as to why everybody was so amazed. I was like, it's, it's a wall of screens over there, guys. Did we not see that? But uh, the magic of YouTube doesn't quite translate. But so, the thing the thing that somewhat spoils it is there are people who um just like the stretching room like they they've been on it before right, so they like they strategically like move to parts of the room and I'm just like oh shit, something's about <laughs> to go down. <laughs> sure. Yeah, totally. All right, here we go. Final four matchup. Uh Battle of MCU here. We got the number 8 mm. Wakanda Forever versus the number 13 Moon Knight. The be- best Disney thing of 2022, and this one's really difficult because they've obviously really leaned into their streaming services this year. They've wanted to. There's a lot of volume. Chris and I kind of talked about it on the Yodas 
uh, how there's just so much and not a lot of it is good. And Moon Knight feels like one of those things that is good that came out of this kind of volume play. But then you also have this film that has been very highly anticipated and it pushed back because of the events of of Chadwick Boseman's passing. And, and so you have something that felt like it lived up to the expectations, at least to me, of what this next film is going to be post Chadwick. It's really tough because I think that overall, there was a lot more heart out of Wakanda forever, obviously. I cried three times. I cried during the uh, silent Marvel scroll at the beginning that was mm. just Chadwick uh, images in the in the Marvel um, thing in the in the scroll. I cried when they uh, did the funeral and and uh, right even right before the funeral, like right after that, like okay, deep breaths, and then mm-hmm. it was like the moment where he dies. I I was I cried. And then when Shuri kind of has this come to Jesus moment about what all of this means and it's very silent and then I cried then too. So like this affected me a ton and it's not something that I would ever get out of an MCU film, uh, but it it really connected the real world to them, right? And that's a very unique spot and it was really nice to see. And I think that's where a lot of the feelings came from was them not being like, oh, this character or this this actor died, so we need to find a way to get rid of the character, kind of like what they did with Leia in Star Wars, where we didn't really get... It was kind of just like... <laughs> well, she's Carrie Fisher's gone. But at least her daughter's in the series. Like, it, it just didn't really feel like there was a ton of heartfelt moments for her while this one was really like how does this death of this character and this actor affect the way that we're going to move forward that's really important in storytelling i think not to ignore it but to embrace it and it's really it was really good moon knight was as i said one of my favorite things of a character that i've never known in a way that they introduced him to get me intrigued so i think i'm gonna have to go with preference here in which i'm going to continue to lean on wakanda forever I think that not only is the storytelling really solid, but Namor is dope, bro. <laughs> that this entire kind of like Aztecian world that we've never explored that s- continues to exist and has a history and it has a similar kind of theme to what Killmonger had in the first film, which is like, yo, everyone's kind of encroaching on us. Everyone is doing wrong by us and we are here for retribution it was just really cool to see a villain with a motive that kind of made some sense uh and that's mcu's leaning on that pretty heavily like everybody's like oh well thanos is kind of right there's like hella traffic in la like what if half of that was gone (laughs) killmonger is kind of right like why don't we uprise if we have all of the technology so I like that they stuck to that. Moon Knight was a great, fun, fantastical adventure, but I'm going to go with Wakanda forever. Yeah, I um, the the Namor stuff. I mean, like you said, they did a great job in the first movie, uh, making Killmonger kind of a somewhat sympathetic villain, and I'm glad they did something somewhat similar in uh, Wakanda Forever. I will say the movie st- kind of lost me a little bit. I think during that extended 
chunk of the movie where Shuri visited uh, the underwater city. Yeah. Uh, it felt a little bit longer than necessary, but you know, I think it did, it did make the lines a little bit more blurry. Uh, and, and I think that's one thing that MCU does better than DC. Like that's the natural comparison. And so many of these DC movies, the good guys and the bad guys are so clearly defined. And so, this movie did a really great job blurring the lines between what's right and what's wrong. Who's right. Who's wrong. Can your hero be wrong? Do you have to agree with all the choices they're making? Uh, can we be just as confused as they are? Can they say, can they stay confused? Like, do they have to have peace at the end of the movie? Uh, these interpretive components are are what make a good movie or a good series to me and i like that wakanda forever had so much of that um i'm glad that you called out the funeral scene i think the film is worth watching for that scene alone i mean that was the kugler effect uh so beautifully shot uh and and kind of similar to what I keep praising Andor for. It just felt realistic. Uh, it felt like it was really focusing on some of the detail of uh, Wakanda and of the Black Panther universe. Uh, and so I really like that a lot. We don't, we don't condone piracy on, uh, on the <laughs> mouse don't. madness podcast. We, we don't, we do not. Uh, I did, I did watch uh, black Panther uh, two. Uh, in a way that I, I probably wasn't supposed to. Uh, but I knew that moment that you were talking about Shuri having a come to Jesus. And I was like, this is the Kyle cry moment. Oh, this is it. Yes. I already know it. I know this is it. He doesn't even have to tell me this is it. And just as it started to kind of like hit me a little bit, uh, the <laughs> most obnoxious <laughs> pop up comes up on my screen of a crying LeBron James and it says play free slots. And I was like, thank you. Thank you for that. Boy. Um, but yeah, I, I, I agree with you. Uh, Wakanda forever to the finals, uh, moon Knight, great, great piece of MCU, but, uh, Wakanda forever did a brilliant job navigating, uh, a, a real life tragedy and ultimately a production complication. And, and what came out was, like you said, like a really authentic piece of storytelling uh, that, that both worked fictionally and also worked in, in real life as well. So uh, masterclass in, in film production here. Michael, do you agree with Wakanda Forever going to the finals here over Moon Knight? Completely. <laughs> Uh, I know, I know you, uh, have not seen, uh, Wakanda forever. So, um, well, hopefully you won't have to make it too difficult of a decision in the next matchup. Uh, but, uh, it's Andor versus cosmic rewind here. I mean, this one is tough. This one's real tough. Cause like you said, Kyle, I appreciate the swing that Disney took on cosmic rewind in an age of Disney where we so often criticize them for cutting corners for not spending money where they think that we should, to have them engineer a completely unique roller coaster experience is admirable. We have to give credit where credits where, where credit is due. 1000%. In twenty in twenty twenty two, a perceivably rough year for the Walt Disney Company. Yeah, one of their greatest attractions opened, uh, and we just we can't we can't discredit that. 
Yep. But on the other hand, they also went a long way with Star Wars fans and a long way with me as a Star Wars fan in particular with, with Andor. Uh, I was so skeptical of Star Wars. I still am extremely skeptical of Star Wars. As I said in the last episode, this show does not forgive the sins of the past. Uh, but as far as stuff that Disney has done with Star Wars, this is this is the best they've done so far. Um, and, and it's for all the reasons that we've talked about. I think what it comes down to for me is an attraction or a Disney Plus product. We are in the age of content. Uh, and whether we like it or not, that's what I think about when I think about Disney in 2022. Uh, and that is the reason I'm going to advance Andor uh, over Cosmic Rewind to the finals. Yep. It's definitely Andor onto the finals here versus Wakanda Forever. Uh, haven't been on Cosmic Rewind, but I do think that they're leaning into content and deliverable content is the most important thing and the best thing that they've done in 2022. Um, and before Mike, I give you kind of a, a chance to talk about this. I'm going to go ahead and crown it Andor as the best Disney thing of 2022. I'm not even going to break it down because I've already said all I need to say. Wakanda Forever, I think, was an incredible film that had very meaningful moments and storylines. But I think that Wakanda Forever, unfortunately, suffered the fact that they had to lean so far into the development of Shuri. And instead of in Black Panther and in the uh, Infinity Stone uh, Avengers films, we got to see more of Wakanda than we do in Wakanda Forever. We get to mm. see some of the elements of Wakanda, but it's really focused around four key characters and players. Otherwise, we're kind of out in the world and we're kind of lackadaisically introducing Ironheart. We're not really leaning so far into who the... Uh, Okoye is going to be moving forward. Uh, it just felt like Marvel said, you need to accomplish B A to B, and Coogler wanted to do so much more. And so he spent the first half of the film doing all of that, trying to connect it all the way through, but then having to force a lot of things. Uh, I will say M'Baku, incredible. Winston, uh, uh, what's his last name? Winston Duke. Winston Duke incredible actor and his portrayal of M'Baku continues to get better and better. He's so funny in this. He is so true to character in this. Uh, but like Andor is the just such a great, does such a great job of developing characters that I don't give a fuck about. And like suddenly by episode 12, I'm like, I gotta know what the lady security person thinks and feels. I gotta know what Bix thinks and feels. I gotta know what Andor thinks and feels. I gotta know what Andy Serkis thinks and feels out here being in the MCU and in Star Wars. I gotta know what he feels. We gotta know what Babu Frick's doing. I gotta know where Babu Frick is. So I think that Andor, which is a streaming property in a in a franchise and an IP that Disney is trying to say we bought this for a reason. It just feels very 2022. I'm going to crown Andor. Uh, when, when M'Baku comes in eating that carrot. <laughs> it's so good. That entire scene is so good. Um, if I can briefly hand out two L's, uh, one for each of these <laughs> real quick. Okay. Uh, Star Wars needs to figure out how to make a good intro because the lucas film 
Is that what you're talking about? No, I'm talking about it's 30 seconds of the word and just okay. really that. slowly appearing from black onto the screen. It's like, that's not an intro. The Lucasfilm strobe light across the various characters th- th- makes that me too. want to die a little bit. But like uh, a TV show everyone talking about right now is White Lotus. Okay. Right. And so like White Lotus has an actual intro to the show. Right. It has a song. And everyone loves this song and it shows you what actors are in the show so that you can talk about them like we are and give them some actual credit. I don't know why Star Wars just keeps doing these like weird like title, just the title card for 30 seconds and then the show starts. Like make it an actual intro, please. please. <laughs> I, fa- I have to fast forward through that every time. It's like three clicks on the Same. thing. Yep. Like I don't need to see it just slowly fade from black. It's so boring. Uh, L for Andor for that. L for Wakanda Forever for the CGI. Oh, specifically, interesting. Specifically for the ocean people. Oh, interesting. Maybe Marvel, Marvel has been under scrutiny from the VFX industry. Hmm. There is simply too much, too high of a demand for Marvel special effects. Not enough hands and not enough time. Hmm. to get everything right that Marvel needs done. It's everywhere. VFX artists globally say that Marvel is the worst studio to work with because they want so much in such a small amount of time. So they've gotten to the point where they're cutting corners. Look how long Avatar 2 took to make. Right. And it's, it's a very similar sort of like underwater ocean environment. And like one of them clearly looks better than the other one. Uh, and so it's hard that both of these movies are kind of out at the same time, but like, man, the ocean stuff, I was cringing through all of it. Uh, specifically, I'm sorry, Michael, I have to spoil this moment for you. When Shamu swims up to the boat. <laughs> all right. When you're a little kid at SeaWorld, they teach you that if you want to get splashed by Shamu, you put your thumbs together. Yeah. And you go like this, Shamu did that to one of Namor's boys and like flung him onto the Navy boat. And I was like, come on, dude. (laughs) They're they're out here controlling Shamu. Get out of here. Yeah. Um, It goes to Andor for me. And here's why. Star Wars hit diminishing marginal returns. Right. Several years ago. And it got to the point where I was like, I've had enough. I have seen enough to know that Star Wars isn't good. You look at everything that they've produced, Star Wars is not good. It's just not good. Bad IP. Don't like its products. <laughs> and Andor is the come up. Yeah. They've hit, they've hit rock bottom and they're coming back up. They know it needs to be fixed. Makes me so optimistic. Like I said, I think this is the best Star Wars has been since the original trilogy. Whereas I look, I watch Wakanda forever and I see the taper. I see mm. the taper off. I appreciate a lot of the really great elements of Wakanda forever, but I can see where it's going and I don't like it. Makes me skeptical. Uh, and that's why I have Andor uh, as the best Disney thing of 2022. So as we do, as we do, we're going to have to go ahead and clap it out. Michael. Give us your spiel on Andor. You've been every single time. You're like, ah, I'll save it for next time. I'll save it for next time. We're, the next time is here. Tell us about it. 
how did we get through an entire two episodes and Andor's talked about and no mention of my man B2 Emo? Because oh. I don't want to talk about the sad robot, dude. B2. I don't want to talk about him. He made me sad. He cares so much. So much. Just, oh my gosh, I just love that droid. But I willingly held out of watching Andor mm. until I found out I was going to do this. Oh, wow. I, <laughs> I have <laughs> always, I am a huge Star Wars fan, and, but I've always been kind of the opposite of Chris, where I want Jedis, I want lightsabers, mm-hmm. I want like kind of cringy dialogue to go along with these like big name stars. But I have truly enjoyed every single TV show that they put out Star Wars related in some form or fashion. Boba Fett was maybe my least favorite, but Mandalorian, they knocked it out of the park. And I think with Andor, they stepped it up a whole nother level. I mean, this is kind of what we talked about. This is Star Wars not trying too hard to be Star Wars. You just put the elements out there. You let the actors do their job and you get a product like this that is 100% authentically Star Wars. And if you are a big Star Wars fan, you get the ins and outs of all this. But you also don't have to have watched any other Star Wars to come into this series and enjoy it. And that's what makes it the best Disney thing of 2022. Guy, don't tell me uh, Grogu shows up at the end of episode 12. <laughs> he actually <laughs> saves the day. Him and him and uh, regenerated Luke show up in a, I, in a I, ship I, and uh, save the day. Oh, you want to talk about a CGI disaster? <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm like, I'm like expecting baby Leia to show up at any second. <laughs> Kid Leia. Um, all right, everyone. That does it. Uh, Michael, thank you so much for, for joining us yet again and celebrating another Disney year with us. Thanks for having me, guys. Really enjoyed this one. All right, everyone, you know how to reach us. If you got something to say about Disney in 2022, if you want to hop in and do some co-hosting, if you got a bracket idea, send us an email at mousemadnesspodcast at gmail.com or hit us up on social media. We are on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and Discord. All those channels are linked in the description of this podcast. If you'd like to support us on Patreon, you can head over to patreon.com slash mousemadness and join us at the $5 level by becoming a member of Jerry's Gang. Well, you'll get access to uh, two bonus Mouse Madness episodes a month. At the end of last month, we celebrated the best of 22 with the annual Yodas, the Year mm. of Disney Awards. Uh, go over there and check it out. Uh, you also get the right to vote on Bracket Topics video episodes, as well as an invite to our seasonal Disney trivia event winter session coming shortly. So stay tuned. All right, everyone. Hope you have a great 2023. Wakanda forever. Wakanda forever.